0: Okay, so let's go ahead and start. Um, so, we've been in a, uh, a bit of a series about healing. And uh, why are we doing that? I mean, a lot of us inherently have a little bit of a theology about healing um, and understanding God's will. But we're starting healing rooms. Healing rooms are awesome. Healing rooms are a place where we can invite people in our community to come and receive healing in their body. Because we have seen a lot of fruit. We've seen a lot of progress in people getting healed physically. Uh, We want to organize around that. And, uh, you know, we don't want to build a structure and ask God to fill it. We want to look at what God's doing and add structure to it so that it will increase. You know, it's it's easy to, you know, just to start something and say, God... Will you please fill it? A lot of times things don't work out. you know. And what happens when you start things that God's not doing is you have to sustain them yourself. And uh, that's very taxing. Very tiring. And uh, it's no fun. Very, not very fruitful. But if you identify what God is doing, it kind of has a life of its own. And that's really cool. And then it's, like, it's almost like a newborn baby. You know, the babies are around here. You just take care of life. Once life happens and something new starts, you just gather around it and you take care of it. You nurse it. You watch it. But it's something that's growing, something that's developing right in front of you. And so that's what we believe is happening with healing rooms. Is that that's going to be a, a ministry that's flowing through us. You know, when we first when we were talking earlier in the year during membership and stuff, uh, we talked about some of, the, some of the main ministries that were flowing through the house, which we felt one was the ministry of the presence, the other was the ministry of the word. Well, in the ministry of the presence is the ministry of healing. That's part of our DNA. That's what we want is when the presence comes, God does stuff, God heals people. Again, we were just texting about yesterday, we had the woman that had the the, the bee sting and her hands swollen up, and we prayed for the street, and there's are like swollen right in front of us. So that's cool when God does stuff. We want to identify those things and mobilize so we can increase. So uh, that is why we're, we're talking about healing. That's why we're hammering on it. We're going to stay camping on it for a while because um, this is, um, for some, this is an easy topic, for some, this is a very hard topic. Because some of us have seen breakthrough, it and other of us have seen tremendous loss. And praying for healing, you know, we've seen a lot of breakthrough. We've been sharing testimonies in the WhatsApp group, um, but like just this week, we had a, a young girl that we sent out a message that she was uh, she was she was bleeding, and they couldn't find a heartbeat, and she lost the baby, and she had to deliver the baby, and then they they buried the baby. I mean, that's a loss, right? That's not a, that's not a win. That sucks. And so, what do we do when we're faced with experiences? That challenge the word of God. And this is what I want to tell you. Is you don't allow experiences to challenge the word of God. You allow the word of God to challenge your experiences. When an experience is contrary to what we believe here. When an experience is contrary to what we see evident in the life of Jesus. In his model as an exact representation of the father according to Hebrews three, If we see something different than what we would see in the, in the Acts of the Apostles. We have every right to challenge that experience so that we begin to see breakthrough. You know, what, I, what I've found is that there are times when there are certain things that and I just get breakthrough in. I get breakthrough over and over and over again. And then there's other things that, like, I haven't started seeing the victory there. And so what I want to encourage you to do is go to the Word and ask God, what does He say about this situation and challenge the situation? Confront it. You know, a confrontation... It's aggressive. It's not a passive thing. How do you know if, if you're inside your house and an intruder comes into your house, comes into Angie's house, Angie is, is quiet in her demeanor. But we're going to get a different Angie in that moment, right? Some This other woman's going to come out and she's going to say, get out of my house. Oh, what if that intruder reaches for one of her, kiddos? Now we've got another level of energy that is here to say, get out of my house, and we're just gonna be a little more force involved, right? I can imagine Shalia, someone coming into the house, uh-huh. coming near Malley.
1: Right.
0: <laughs> that would be the guy's worst nightmare. He wished he didn't get up that morning if he found Shalia on the other side of the door. Did Shalia was. Would take that boy out. <laughs> right? Because that is an intruder. And it requires a confrontation. Sickness and infirmity and disease is an intruder. And it requires a confrontation. When it presents itself, that is the same attitude you should have for it. So that you, whoa, not in this house. And the Bible of 1 Corinthians 3.16 tells us that we're in the temple of the Holy Spirit, that we're the temple of God. This is your house. When sickness comes in, when infirmity comes in, when the demonic comes in, when things try to attack you or oppress you or possess you, whatever, those are intruders. And they require opposition on our part. And what happens if you don't oppose an intruder? They take territory, they get ground, they get victories. They take things that mean something to you. That's what we. That's the attitude we have to have towards sickness, especially. So when people come to us in healing rooms saying, "Hey, I'm fighting cancer. I'm in stage four cancer. I've got nothing left left to do. Will you guys please pray for me?" That's the kind of people that we'll get because healing rooms are. Some people know to go there early on, but a lot of people they don't. They wait until the last. So every other. Option has been exhausted. They tried every doctor they could find. They tried every specialist they could find. They tried every homeopathic way they could do it. They tried every online they could do it. And finally, it's come to this: we've got to go to the church, and now all we got to do is pray. Like that's that's the state people come to healing rooms. They're like on their last limb, just living on prayer. You know. So when that person comes in we actually have to be the solid ones for them because there, there's not any faith on their end right now. We can't say if you don't get healed, it's because of your faith. That's that's garbage. Like, uh, there's a mentality that's crept into the Western church that if we pray for the sick and they don't get healed, not my problem. Right? It's just my. Here's, here's the analogy I've heard preachers here. It's my job to deliver the package. It's not my job to open the package. What about of crap? You know, can you imagine, if someone came, a vacuum salesman comes to my house, and he, you open the door, you open the door to him, and he throws a, a lump of uh, dirt, and it lands on the floor, and he says, hi, I'm the Binning, uh Vacuum Cleaner Company, and I'm selling, selling vacuums today, and we've got the coolest vacuums, and it's $1,200 we can pay it off in one year. We'd love for you to, for you to take it. And you say, oh, I don't know if I really want to do that. Um, You know, I'll think about it. And the guy leaves the dirt on the floor and never demonstrates the power of his vacuum cleaner. Would I say, wouldn't you be a little ticked off if someone told you that they had the power to take the dirt out of your house and then they don't demonstrate it? That would tick me off personally. Like, I'd be upset if I open the door to my front house and I got a lump, lump there. That's basically what we're doing. we're saying we have a God who saves. We have a God who delivers. We have a God who heals. He does that. Okay, well I gotta go. There is no demonstration. Okay, the demonstration. I'm gonna say 90-10. That responsibility is ninety percent on our end with Jesus, ten percent on the person. Is there sometimes when the person's faith demands a healing and healing goes? Yeah, the sirenation woman, the woman with the issue of blood. Yeah, there is sometimes when the receiver puts a demand on the, on the gift and they receive healing. But as ministers, nine times out of ten, we are the ones bringing the kingdom for a demonstration. And we're saying, God can heal you. Would you let me pray for you? Can I demonstrate for you? You got an intruder. Let me show him the door and get him out. When you show people signs, it point, those signs point to Jesus. That's the point. That's the point of the lady's lump on the hand shrinking. It. it points Jesus is alive. Every time someone gets healed in the body, it says Jesus is alive. When they receive liberation from the demonic, it says Jesus is alive. Is alive. It's a it prophesized the spiritual world. That's why Jesus could go heal the man at the gatherings, and when he would de- he delivered the man at the gatherings of all his demons. It spoke to the region: Jesus is here. The Messiah is here. So much so that the demons say, "We know who you are, Son of God." You know, they're demonic <laughs> things. You know, if you ever listen to the to the uh, audio Bible, you know you hear the you know the, the theatrical version of "Who are you, Son of God?" So, First uh, John, chapter 5, verse 14. Why do we need to go over this again and again? Because we have to develop confidence that this is the will of God to heal everyone. Everywhere. Every time. Let's just say it together. Everyone. Everywhere. everywhere, everywhere. Every time. Everywhere. That is the perfect will of God. Every time Jesus came across healing, they always got healed. They never approached him sick and left him. The sickness. They never approached him and he gave them sickness. It never happened. You won't find it in the Bible. There's no demonstration in the book of so Acts where someone came wanting healing and they left not healed. It was always reaching out their hand and, and receiving healing. John, uh, 1 John chapter 5 verse 14 says, this is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. We have what we've asked. This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. That's a powerful thing. I think that's, that's, that's what we don't have confidence, is that we don't know that it's his will. And so if we can get this settled in us, this will really remove a major obstacle uh, of the enemy, where he would try to keep us timid and keep us from... From, uh, from pursuing more verse 15 says and if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask we know that we have the request which we have asked of him and so that 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 really locks in for us on why we need to have confidence it's so we can pray according to the will of the father praying for Freddie this morning you know, he's going to check it out he's going to let us know how he's doing but praying for Freddie it is God's will to make him completely whole Wait, pray for him I can I, I feel the presence of God hit him I know it's God's will to heal. I don't think about it. I'm not concerned about it. I'm, I know it is God's will to heal him every time. 100% of the time. No matter who walks into that healing room, it is God's will to heal him. Because when heaven comes and touches that place, there is no sickness in heaven. And we pray in Matthew 6, 10, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Touch this man now. Be healed. James 4, 7 says, submit to God, resist the devil. Submit to God, resi- uh, submit therefore God, but resist the devil and he will flee from you. So this really brings into um, action our responsibility of resistance. What does resistance look like? It means someone is pressing in on you and you are pressed, you're resisting back. That's what sickness does. Sickness, death in the world is a result of of man. You know why does sickness is there? Because man fell. The Bible says the soul that sins must die. It's a law. Where there's sin, there's death. And so we have a responsibility to submit to God and resist. To push back. If you have family that's sick, if you're battling sickness, if you're battling something in your own body, or you have a friend that is, you can submit to God's word and what he says and resist. You can push it back. I want to give a couple of witnesses um, in the scripture of why we believe it's God's will to heal. You know, the first week we talked, we talked about some of the common lies about God's God's will to heal, and the second week we talked about that Jesus didn't come to do His own will, but He came to do the will of the Father. And Jesus doing the will of the Father in the earth was healing the sick. He did The Bible says he didn't. In Hebrews it says, "Behold, I come in the scroll to do your will, O God, and the scroll of both is written in me. I've come to do your will." He did not come to do his own will. He came to do the will of the Father. So Jesus demonstrates it's God's will to heal. And so this week we're going to talk about why we know it's God's will to heal through his uh, apostles and disciples. First is through the Apostle John. In third John chapter, excuse me, third John verse 2, it says, Beloved, I pray that in all aspects you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers." That means body and soul. And he's speaking to believers, so their spirit is, is already good. So he's speaking to the rest of them, your body and your soul. Your soul is your thought, your will, and emotion. He says, I wish that, you're, that you would be in good health and prosper. You'd be flourishing. You know, a good example of prosperity would be uh, is flourishing. You know, if you can look on the trees, our pomegranates out front here, they they're blossoming. We should be blossoming in our health, blossoming in our soul, blossoming in our attitudes. Uh, in, in the life of Peter, Acts chapter 10, verse 32, check this out. Therefore, therefore, send some men to Joppa and invite Simon, who is also called Peter, to come to you. He is staying at the house of Simon the Tanner by the sea. So I sent men to you immediately, and you have been kind enough to come. Now then, we are all here present before you to hear everything that you have been commanded by the Lord. So these are the Gentiles... Sitting before Peter to hear what Peter has to say. Opening his mouth, Peter said, Acts chapter 10, verse 34. I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality. But in every nation, the one who fears Him and does what is right is acceptable to Him. The words which He sent to the sons of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, He is Lord of all. Verse 37. You yourself know the thing that happened throughout Judea, starting from Galilee, after the baptism, which John reclaimed. I love the way Peter says this. Guys, you've heard about this thing that happened. He's speaking about the life of Jesus. You heard about the man that came from Galilee, healing the sick, whom you crucified. I know you've heard. This was something that was rumbling in the air. This was something that was that people heard about in the next town over. Jesus, 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 the person. Verse 38. You know of Jesus of Nazareth. How God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. And how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. This is an interesting combination. He says he was healing all. Healing... Those who were oppressed of the devil. He identifies sickness as an oppression and he was healing them. That's what sickness is it's an oppression. It's a weight on you when you've got something not working right. It's a weight on that family member when something's not functioning the way it's supposed to be. You know? That, that is a weight. Now, I'm not talking about just, you're not physically fit. Yesterday, I tried to race Jonathan across the basketball court, and he was going to buy me lunch. I, I raced him and one, and, uh, and so I made it, like, three-fourths of the way across the basketball court. And I'm like, you know, like, creasing Oh, man, I'm not, you're not fit. I was, I'm not fit. I mean, physical ailments, like, you have fever all the time, you have headaches all the time. Physical things... Peter calls it an oppression. So Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Um, James chapter 5. So that was the the witness of of the apostle John, then Peter, and now James, the half-brother of Jesus. James chapter 5, verse 14. It says, is anyone among you sick? Another translation says, is anyone among you suffering? Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church. Notice he didn't say call for the apostles. He didn't say call for the prophets. He didn't say call for the evangelists, the teachers, or the pastors. He said call for the elders. Well, this is in line with Mark 16. That these signs shall follow those who believe. Elders are not office ministers. Those are lay ministers. These are people who have not spent their lives in full-time ministry. These are just believers. This is a call to all believers, for every one of us, to be able to lay hands on the sick. That Mark 16 says, these signs shall follow those who believe. So is anyone among you sick Then he must call for the elders of the church and there to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will restore the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. A prayer of a righteous person, when it is brought about, can accomplish much. So prayer of faith, prayer of oil. I mean, uh, this isn't something that's, that's old-timey. Bust out some oil. You know, in the Old Testament, when the priest touched a, a leper, the priest would become unclean, and they would be ceremonially unclean. And they would have to go through a process to get cleaned up again so that they could enter back to temple. In the New Testament, Jesus lays hands on the leper and the unclean person, the leper, becomes clean. It's a complete reversal. It's a complete shift where your stuff doesn't contaminate me. My stuff heals you. It's a clash of two kingdoms that in me is healing. Not me, my person, but Jesus in me because he's in me. You could get healed. It's not, don't touch me because you could get sick. It's, let me touch you because you might get healed. You, something could happen when we touch people and we believe. This is a doctrine. When a, a ordinance is given as a tool, it might be a better way to say it. It's a tool to activate our faith. You know, when we take a wafer and we take communion here, there's no power in a cheap wafer. But it's a tool by which we activate our faith. And by faith, we, we honor the Lord in His body. And honestly, a lot of people activate their faith and walk in divine health through communion. All the time. John, you know, if you want to talk about communion, call John and Thea. Those of you who know John and Thea. Just let them talk to you about communion for an hour. And how, why they know so strongly about it. Like, it's, it's great juice. But Jesus, thank you for your blood that was spilled for me. And it's an act of faith. Laying hands on somebody with oil is as much an act of faith as taking the juice. It's not down here. It's, it's right there. When we lay hands on people, impartation happens. People get touched. They receive grace in their life. Some people receive grace to be healed in the moment. Some people receive a grace and they just stay healed. You know, we saw the, that testimony that's in the WhatsApp group. Lorena, that came uh, two Mondays ago, came here. Diagnosed with osteoporosis in her neck, a on scale of 1 to 10, level 5 pain. And right here, me and uh, Tom prayed for her. She felt all the pain in her neck leave. By Thursday, she's messaging us on the WhatsApp group saying it's still gone. I haven't been able to hug my husband in over, what was it, 13 years? 14 years. She couldn't hug her husband. She can hug her husband now. So that's, that's some, that, that is more than just, it's a healing and then and a, a virtue that's coming to her life. It's like, I'm healed, it's, it's, it's Thursday, and I'm still healed. It's Thursday, and the pain's still gone, and I'm still talking about it, and the next thing you cheer up, and I, can know, my husband, that is the power of healing. It, it changes people's lives. My husband is still coming back around. Those kids were in contact with their kids. were able to have a relationship with them because they were touched by Jesus. Next, why, why do we believe it's God's will to heal? Because uh, not just because of the witness of the apostles, which we named three, but also Jesus taught us how to minister to the sick. In Matthew chapter 6, this is the Lord's Prayer. In Luke 11, before the Lord's Prayer, the, uh, the disciples have been, have been observing Jesus and says, Jesus, teach me how to pray. Meaning, Jesus, you are getting different results than I'm getting. I want you to teach me how to pray. These guys can figure out how to pray. But they see, Jesus, you are doing something in your prayer life that has given you a different result than me. So Jesus, teach me how to pray. The version of Matthew, verse nine, uh, six, chapter six, verse nine says, Pray then in this way, our Father who is in heaven. So those two words completely referral to the theology. To say, our Father. Jesus turned the whole thing upside down. When he said, our Father. Because God was distant. God was far off. But to call him Father brought you up here. And Jesus says, come up here. The first thing we got to do. When we are believing for heaven to be earth. When we want to see signs and wonders and miracles. Is we've got to come up a notch. The Bible calls it repentance. And Bill Johnson writes it down really well. Repent. Re is to go back. Pent is like from a penthouse. Meaning the top floor of the building. So repent. Go back up to the highest perspective. Repent. Come up here. It's so What did God, What did the Father say to John. The, the Revelator in the book of Revelations. Come up here and see what I was saying. Repent. And Jesus came with the message saying. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. So the first thing he says. How are we going to pray? Start by saying our Father. In other words repent. Change what you're thinking. Who is in heaven? Hallowed be your name. God, you're so holy. Verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is a great apostolic prayer. Your kingdom, the king's domain, the reality of your, your authority that is real in heaven. Pray that that kingdom would come on earth like it is there. And we know that there is no sickness. There is no pain. There is no disease. There's no virus of any kind. There's no broken limbs. There's no damaged eyes in heaven. And Jesus said, let your kingdom come on the earth like it is there. Jesus was teaching the, the apostles, of the disciples at that time, He was teaching them how to do it. Why do we believe it's God's will to heal? Because Jesus said, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done as it is in heaven. Bring it down. When, when we're laying hands on Freddy, when we're laying hands on people outside in the street, this is, a, this is more than just a form. It is a supernatural moment where heaven and earth are colliding. And the real realm of heaven is coming into our experience and touching someone. Let your kingdom come now. Yeah, you know, when Josh was feeling those seizures come along, that's exactly what he was doing. He said, this is not God's will. And so he resisted and said, in the name of Jesus, I will not have a seizure. Will you describe that real quick? What? Will you describe that real fast? Oh yeah, okay. Describe it quick. Come here, come here, come here. I, I wanna, because this is such a powerful story. Here, there's a here. Describe that that experience. Well, um... What's up? You've got here. Hey, come
1: your body's sleeping like it's asleep well imagine that And I just keep on saying it until it goes away. It doesn't matter how long it takes, I will, I always keep saying it. And I just walk around, and there was one time I had a friend over, and I know in the background she said, What the heck? Because I was outside, and all of a sudden I felt a seizure coming on, and I grabbed my left. I said, I rebuked the seizure in the name of Jesus. I rebuked the seizure in the name of Jesus. I rebuked the seizure in the name of Jesus. And I just kept on saying that and nothing else. And as I was saying that, it eventually went away. And I haven't had a seizure since then. Wow.
0: So uh, wow. How long have you been having seizures?
1: All my life. How long ago has it been since you had a seizure? Uh, over a year, Uh, almost two now, because of Jesus, almost two. Whoa. So what was cool
0: is that you've been able to stop it, though. Like you really demonstrated, like, through your own authority, where Jesus shut this thing up. Yeah. That's That's amazing, Josh. High
1: five. Well done. Well done. Good job. I still do it to this
0: day. That's amazing. Thank you, Josh. That is the believer's authority. As much as you have the authority to shut down the seizure, you have authority to heal the sick. Jesus taught us to pray for the sick. He demonstrated what it looks like to submit to God and resist. It required his participation. It required him saying, hey, seizure, that is an intruder. And he resisted. Okay. Mark 16, 15 to 20. I'll skip down verse um, yeah, 15. And Jesus said to them, speaking to the disciples, Go into know the world and preach the gospel to all creation. The one who has believed and has baptized will be saved. The one who has not believed will be condemned. Verse 17. These signs will accompany those who, who have believed. and my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents. If they drink any deadly poison, they will not harm them. They will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. It's a good news. Okay. Um, so we challenge our experience with the Word of God. Next reason: Why do we believe it's God's will to heal? First Corinthians three sixteen says, "You are God's temple. Your body, your physical body, belongs to the Lord. It's not yours. It's not. It's not. It's not your own." First Corinthians chapter six verse fifteen says, "Do you not know?" that your bodies are parts of Christ. Shall I then take the parts of Christ and make them parts of a prostitute? Far from it. Verse 16, Or do you not know that the one who joins himself to a prostitute is one body with her? For he says, The two shall become one flesh. But the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee, sexual immorality, every other sin that a person commits is outside the body of the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Are you, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? whom you have from God, and that you are not your own. For you have been bought for a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Jesus purchased your body. He says, you have been bought with a price. The price was Jesus. The most valuable thing that heaven had was Jesus. And that's what He, God, used to purchase your body. Doesn't that speak of the value of your physical bodies to God? If I go to Best Buy and I want to buy a new MacBook, the best MacBook in the place, I'm going to spend two grand. You know why? Because the MacBook costs two grand. That's the value of it. It will cost me $2,000 to get it because it's the best MacBook in the house. And God says, You are bought with the price. And he paid Jesus for your body. Your bodies are valuable. They mean something to God. It costs Him your son. Not just your heart, but your physical bodies. They're valuable to God. And if we take care of our own possessions, how much more will God take care of His? He desires for you to be healthy. He desires for you to be whole. Uh, healing was a part of the atonement uh, of what Jesus paid for on the cross. Why we believe in healing, it's part of what Jesus paid for.
1: Isaiah fifty
0: three one, uh, who has believed our report and to whom has the armor of the Lord been revealed? This is huge. Who has believed our report? This is a prophecy about Jesus. This is the Isaiah fifty three prophecy about the coming Messiah, Jesus, and it opens with who has believed our report. You know what? Maybe healing doesn't mean a ton to you this moment. But when should someone come to you in life, be it, a, be it yourself, your family member, a friend, and they bring you a bad report? This is a moment where you've really got to be holding on to something. When you get a bad report, regardless of who gave the report, you have to have something in you as a believer to combat that. Verse 2 for he, speaking of Jesus, grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of the dry ground. He had no stately form or majesty that we should look, like, look at him. Meaning Jesus looked like one of us. He wasn't, uh, that looked like he was on the cover of a cheeky magazine. Or he wasn't, you know, like uh, Jim Caviezel's like chiseled, you know, in you know, The Passion of Christ. And his given God. Jesus There there's nothing stately about him that someone would look at him. Nor, nor an appearance that we would take pleasure in Him. Yeah. Verse 3, He was despised and abandoned by men, a man of great pain and familiar with sickness. And like one from whom people hide their faces, He was despised and we had no regard for Him. However, it was our sickness that He Himself bore and our pains that He carried. He's speaking about the cross. The cross He carried, He said, I carried your sickness, I carried your pain, I carried that, that, that hand, I carried that seizure, I carried it on my back. As much as He paid for our sins and washes us clean from our sins, He makes us clean from sickness and infirmity. In the same measure, it's not any less... It is right there. You can't talk about the blood and not speak about healing. And you can't speak about healing and not talk about the price of the blood that was spilled for it. The blood of Jesus washes us free from all of our sins. and cleanses us so much so that it makes us right with God. That same blood drives out sickness and infirmity. Because he carried them both on his back on the cross. It says it was our sicknesses. That he himself bore. And our pains that he carried. So when I pray for someone that is a pain in their body. This is the word. I relate to God based on covenant. And I, I pray in the name of Jesus. I drive out every pain. To leave this body now. In the name of Jesus. Let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Now in Jesus name. And then I challenge them. Check yourself out. Do something. Do something. Step out. If you feel your knee hurting. Step out. Your knee is buckling. Step out on your knee jump, move, do something. Freddie's going to check his eye later. Requires an activation. Yet we, are, we ourselves assume that he had been afflicted, struck down by God and humiliated. But he was pierced for our offenses. He was crushed for our wrongdoings. The punishment for our well-being was laid upon him. Listen to this. And by his wounds we are healed. This is powerful. This is, this is what was paid for in the cross. One more story. Um, Matthew chapter 8, verse 3. And if I send them away, hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way, and some of them have come from a great distance. Verse 4. And his disciples replied to him, Jesus, Where will anyone be able to find enough bread here in this desolate place to satisfy these people? And he was asking them, how many loaves do you have? And they said, seven. Verse 6, and he directed the people to recline on the ground. and Taking the seven loaves and he gave thanks and broke them. And started giving them to his disciples to serve. And they served them to the people. They also had a few small fish. And after he had blessed them, he told the disciples to serve these as well. And they ate and were satisfied. And they picked up seven large baskets full of what was left over broken pieces. About 4,000 men were there. And he dismissed them. And immediately he got to the boat with his disciples and came to the region of Dominoffa. And the Pharisees came out and began to argue with him, demanding for him a sign from heaven to trust him. Signing deeply in his spirit, he said, What does this generation demand a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And leaving them, he embarked and went away to the other side. And the disciples had forgotten to take bread and did not, want, did not have more than one loaf in the boat with them. And he was giving orders to them saying, watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. And they began to discuss with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet comprehend or understand? And do you still have your heart hardened? So what happened? Jesus multiplied the loaves and the fishes twice. The disciples get into the boat with Jesus without bread, and they're concerned that they will have bread. You see the problem. Jesus multiplies bread for thousands on two different occasions, and the disciples are still concerned that they don't have enough. I think this is real similar to what happens with us. Is we can get really familiar with the miraculous to where it no longer changes us. Jesus said, is your heart hearted? I think every time you see a miracle, when me and Kenneth saw that miracle with the lady Trump, that where the, the ball shrunk, we're supposed to get something from that. It's supposed to change the way we think. It's supposed to, every time I see someone with an allergic reaction, in my heart, I should be able to say, me and Jesus, we... We got this. You know your mind is renewed when what's impossible seems logical. When what the overturn seems, yeah, a problem. When we were feeding the people in the street the other day, and we brought food to feed 25, and people show up on the street with us, we brought food to feed 25 and we fed 80 that day. And the apostle starts looking, huh, you don't have to have it all. You just bring your loaves, you bring your fish, and God does what He does. But when we see God multiply the food, bringing other people that had food and said, we want to serve it, they start flipping gourmet burgers for us. When that starts happening, it's supposed to change the way we think. When it changes the way you think, so supernatural, I'll tell you, the level of the supernatural you experience goes to a different level. When you, when, when, if you're like in the boat with Jesus and you're not concerned about your bread anymore. That's what happened with the disciples. They should have never been concerned about bread. Even, even in the Old Testament, we have the, the, the children of Israel give manna every day. And they would get it six times a week because on the seventh day they should have rested but they would go out on the sixth day and some people would try to gather or, or during the week, they would try to gather more than what the day allotted. And if they got more than what the day allotted for the next day, it would turn to worms. Because they didn't realize God was going to provide for them this day. He's going to provide for them the next day. They're like, oh no, but what if God doesn't provide for me tomorrow? He just multiplied manna, angel food for you for a week. Like, why, why is that not getting into you? But they're like... They still have this thing. They never learn from it. And so they would try to get more than what day allotted, and it was. It would just ruin it, you know? But when you see the miraculous, when you see healing, it should transform our thinking. Psalm 103, verses 2 through 4 says, Bless the Lord, this is David, my soul, and do not forget his benefits. You know, if you're a company person, you know, Angel works for a company. When you sign up for a company, What happens January 1? We discuss your benefits. This is what you get because you're with us. We can help you get your teeth clean. We can help you get a pair of glasses once a year. You can can get a really high deductible insurance. And uh, this is what you get. You get benefits for being a part. This is what this is, Psalm 103. This is your benefits package from Jesus right
1: here.
0: (laughs) Think of it this way. You, know, you should read your benefits package so you can get your benefits. So, this is it. It's found in Psalm 103, verses 2 through 4. Bless the Lord my soul, do not forget any of his benefits. Who pardons all your guilt, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, and who crowns you with favor and compassion. Psalm 103, verse 3. Who pardons all your guilt, who heals all your diseases. It's God's will. It's just God's will. There's no picture in in the Bible where it it demonstrates that it's God's will to, to put sickness on people to teach them a lesson. God doesn't use sickness, disaster, or pain to shape your character. It's not true. He doesn't spank us with sickness. The Bible says in Luke 11 that if our earthly fathers, being evil, know how to give good gifts, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask if you ask for him for a fish, he'll not give you a stone. If you pray for healing, he's not going to give you sickness. He said, if you ask him for bread, you know, the Bible talks about with the Syrophoenician woman when she said, Jesus, will you heal my daughter? He says, it's not for me to give the children's bread uh, to dogs. I was sent to, to children, uh, lost children of the house of Israel. Meaning healing is the children's bread. As much as Audrey comes in here and says, Dad, I want more fruit before we start. I want more fruit. I just go there and I get her some more fruit because she's hungry. It is her, it is her portion. Healing is your bread in the same way. You said, God, I need some healing. Just like she says, Dad, I want some more watermelon. It is the children's bread. It is your bread. And what's the picture we have in the Old Testament? Is the people were concerned that they had no bread. What's the picture that we have with the disciples? They were concerned that they had no bread. And what's the same thing we struggle with now, if God will heal us or not? We're concerned. Will we get the bread of healing or not? Then the Sarathenician woman says that even the children, even the dogs, get the crumbs that fall from the Master's table. Like it's, it's the, your heart... Can access the children's bread. This is for you. It's what you, we've asked for. We ask our Father and we we give bread. We ask for bread, He gives us bread. Romans 10.13 says, For whoever for whoever will call on the name of the will be saved. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21 to 24 says, For you have been called for this purpose, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you would follow in his steps. He who committed no sin nor was any deceit found in his mouth and while being abusively insulted he did not insult in return while suffering he did not threaten but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously and he himself brought our sins in his body up on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness by his wounds you are healed. This is from Peter in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 25. For you are continually strained like sheep, but you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. The last reason why we would say is why well, is it God's will to heal? Because he loves us. You know, we can look at the theology of it and what's in the atonement, and we have. Matthew 14, 14 says, speaking of Jesus, when he came ashore, he saw a large crowd and felt compassion for them. And he healed their sick. He just loves us. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray, God, that you would just open our eyes. God, I pray that we would have more than just a belief about healing. But God, we ask you for a revelation. God, we would see virtue flowing in our life when we lay hands on the sick they would recover, that they would be whole, that they would be made new, God. Oh, you paid the price for healing, God. So we receive healing virtue in our life this morning. We receive it now, God. We even pray for divine healing over us, God. We pray you make us completely whole. In Jesus' name, use us to touch the sick. In Jesus' name, receive and heal. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen.